This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. So, my friends and I decided to go on a hiking, camping trip to one of our favorite hiking spots. The place is well known for its scenery once you reach the top. And admittedly, it's actually kind of fun and easy to hike there. You don't need a master's degree in mountain survival or a shit ton of hiking experience to reach the top. You don't even need to be super healthy. I mean, hell, I weigh over 220 pounds. And I don't even have the height and frame to justify it. Simply put, well, I'm a big guy. I mean, I still enjoy climbing, even if a six-hour climb for a regular person takes me around eight. My friends and I were really never bothered by that anyway. The spot we chose to take our hiking and camping trip is well known in our state. It's in a national park, and following the hiking trail, there are a few open areas that could be used as campsites. Our plan was simple. We pack heavy and climb the first flank during the afternoon. Then get down a little, find the right place to set up camp and relax. It was a good plan, or at least I thought it was. We reached the national park, and there wasn't anyone around, which was surprising considering the day was warm and sunny. The place would typically have a few people hanging around. It also looked like the entrance to the hiking trail had been chained at some point. The chain was wrapped around two logs to block the way but it was cut cleanly in the middle. Now, the two halves were just lying on the ground. I commented on it, but Matt told me not to worry about it. If the chain had been cut, it was probably done by the forest ranger, and that the place was open. As I reached for my phone, Dan shot me a glance. And, well, <laughs> I forgot that no technology was allowed on a boys' night. I gave up and decided to follow him putting the chain in the back of my mind for now. The trek up was a bit more cumbersome than I expected it to be. I was carrying a heavy backpack that contained our portable grill, and more than enough water to quench our thirsts and wash up. I wasn't the strongest, but I had the largest pack. My two buddies who walked in front were carrying the food, tent, and sleeping bags. We had to stop more often than expected because I felt like my heart was going to burst out of my chest. It didn't help that it was a pretty damn warm day outside too. And by the time we climbed halfway up, i have been pretty sure I'd lost 5 pounds of sweat. Never mind all that. I mean, the climb still went perfectly fine. We stood at the top for an hour and enjoyed a few bottles of water. Then climbed down to find our campsite before dusk. Once we found one that we liked, we built the tent and started the grill, and we started to cook some hot dogs as well. I was pleasantly surprised that Daniel decided to bring two six-packs of lager. We enjoyed our beers and meal, cleaned up the grill, and shoved it back in my backpack as we watched the sun disappear on the horizon. And that's when we first heard it. It crawled close to the ground. 
It was a low growl coming from the back of its throat. At first, we thought that maybe a coyote had gotten closer, so we just shoot it off by making loud noises. For about another hour, we didn't hear any cracking of branches, we didn't see its shadowy form between the trees. The sun was well hidden by the time it came back, and a blanket of stars was covering the darkening sky. The night was getting fresher, the smell of humid soil mixing with the smoke of our fire. We were all getting pleasantly relaxed, beer doing wonders on our systems. I mean, of course, four beers ain't anywhere close enough to make big guys like us tipsy, but its effects was still present in a way which we laughed, and our lazy postures, and how confident we were despite the threat of a coyote. I mean, sure, all of us had something to defend ourselves if push came to shove, but in retrospect, we should have packed up and moved out. The thing is, we were infringing on its territory. The cut chain on the bottom of the mountain should have been warning enough, but we were overconfident. We wanted to enjoy some fresh air and threw caution to the wind in favor of a good climb and a camping night. We heard its growl as we laughed at one of Daniel's lewd jokes, and we all shut down immediately. That growl came from its guts. It sounded visceral, furious, and demanding. It wasn't warning us that it was afraid and about to bite. It wasn't the growl of a beast backed into a corner. You see, it was a growl of a creature telling us that we'd better start running. It was the first growl that quieted down for an hour, and to the point, we had forgotten about the coyote. The second one, punched us in the stomach and drained blood from our faces. I could feel my fingers getting cold and twitchy as I reached for my holster. At this point, the creature kept growling, but the noise was becoming more vicious by the second. I tried to look at the direction it was coming from, but it was moving and moving fast. I could hear the cracking of the branches as it walked around us in a circle. The creature was just far enough that we couldn't make out its form entirely, but close enough that its growl sent shivers down our spines. I was the first to stand up. All five foot seven of me on high alert, gun in hand, eyes riveted to the tree lines. I could feel the heat of the fire lick at my skin, its flames dancing close enough to my thighs. I'm positive a breeze could have set fire to my pants. Daniel and Matt also stood up, and I heard one of their beer bottles fall to the side, the sound of liquid spreading on the ground, rivaling with the cracking of the fire. The growls had stopped momentarily, and I couldn't hear a single noise besides the fire and the bubbles of the beer popping as the liquid was absorbed by the ground. Even my breathing had become entirely silent. Maybe I was just Holding my breath, you know, I, I wasn't sure. It's not a coyote. Daniel broke the silence. Matt replied with a, no shit, Sherlock. It seemed as though we were all on the same wavelength. Whatever made that sound was much bigger than a coyote. And instantly, I thought of a wolf or 
worse. Bear. Now, I'd never seen either one up close, but I'd seen a few nature documentaries. I didn't remember if bears growled, and, well, to be frank, the sound was closer to what you'd expect a canine to sound like. Wolf? Then we needed to move on. Wolves moved in packs. Maybe we'd seen a scout earlier, which justifies why the growl was less intimidating. What if the same scout returned its pack and called for reinforcements? I didn't want to think about what followed up next, so I picked up the nearest bottle of water and threw its contents on the fire, extinguishing it. It's not the safest method to put out a fire, but I didn't feel like we had much time to lose ground. As vapor filled the air around us, the growl returned, much louder and savage than I could have thought. Branches cracked under the mass of beasts' weight, and all of our eyes turned in the direction of the noise. We were all frozen in place as we saw it move through the branches. We could barely see its shape because of the darkness and the branches, but already, I mean, I could tell. It wasn't a bear or a wolf. You see, its gnarly form was the first thing that struck me. I could see its tail swishing about behind it, its fur matted and covered in mud and branches. I could see almost a human torso and limbs that reminded that of a dog. Yet, it was standing on its hind legs, its upper body curled as clawed paws moved the branches blocking its way, the way a human would. When my eyes reached the creature's face, <laughs> I thought I was hallucinating. An elongated canine maw stood atop a human neck, drool and blood dripping from thin black lips. The beast's lips were pursed, revealing sharp like teeth you'd find in a dog's mouth, ready to rip flesh and molars that looked sturdy enough to crush bones. As it got closer, I could see everything in excruciating detail. It stood about ten feet away from us, a couple of trees and that distance separating us from it. And then it stared at us, its beady red irises fixated on me. I felt my spine quake and my heart rose in my throat. Its eyes were bloodshot and yellow at the same time. Slara reminding me of someone who got a severe case of jaundice. It panted, and I swear to God, I smelled decay coming from its throat. It stared at us, and it didn't move, just as we stared at it, and it didn't move either. We were all frozen in our spots, wondering what between firing at the beast and Running away would save our lives. Now, you have to understand one thing. While I want to say this looked like a werewolf, I know in the very marrow of my bones that this wasn't a werewolf. I mean, not in the sense that we Americans grew up thinking about them. When you think of a werewolf, you think of a furry bastard that changes on a full moon and looks more wolf than human other than standing on two legs. What we had in front of us 
was an abomination that was just as human as it was dog. Its brownish, matted fur begun at the waist, wrists, and top of its neck. The torso, I mean, I could see, was just your regular beige skin you'd see on any humans. It was covered in scars thicker than my forearm, and it looked much thicker than human skin. But it was beige, and it had an abdomen like us. This was the soft part. If we were to shoot, this is where we should. And that's when I heard the first bang, and I followed suit. David might have fired the first bullet, but I wasn't going to cower either. I pointed my gun at the beast and shot two, I don't know, maybe three rounds at its stomach. Its howl tore through the atmosphere as the bullets hit it. And I swear, I saw the beast's eyes glow with fury. It didn't remain in place after taking three shots to the chest. Hell, it lunged at us, and I realized that bullets wouldn't be enough. Holding tight on my gun, I dashed toward the hiking trail. If I were going to run the whole way down the mountain, going through the forest would either get me lost, or I could trip and break my neck. Just remember again, please. You know, I'm not the healthiest guy. My survival chances were pretty thin. But it seemed the creature wasn't running after me. Once I saw the trail, I started running as fast as my legs could carry me. The growls not too far behind me. I could hear Matt screaming and shooting at the same time. Hell, I, I prayed for his safety. I really did. I mean, what the hell else was I supposed to do? I mean, bullets might have hurt the beast, but it didn't kill it. And all I could think about was my own survival. I heard branches cracking all around me and decided to go to the other side of the trail in hopes that the trees would hide me a little bit. And also because being on the path made me a lot more exposed. And unfortunately, a few minutes after I'd started running in the trees, I tripped on a root and fell face first on the ground. I knocked my head on a tree, and I came to after a few minutes. I felt disoriented, and I could feel blood trickling down the side of my face. Nausea hit me like a wave and I retched a few times as I tried to make out my surroundings and help myself up. And I could still hear gunshots in the distance. But it wasn't too close to where I was, which told me that this creature wasn't after me. As I tried to stand up, an incredible, white, searing pain shot through my leg. I'd sprained my ankle during my fall. But it wasn't the worst. As I stood up, I realized that I didn't trip on a tree root. Looking behind me, I saw the half-eaten corpse of a deer rotting away. It had been eviscerated, and I could see its half-broken ribcage thanks to the light the stars and the moon provided. I emptied my stomach then and there, and then slowly started to walk down the mountain and hope that the stench of my blood wouldn't attract the creature. Every step I took was painful, but with the adrenaline coursing through my system, I made it, and, well, considerably faster than the climb up. The standard hike down took approximately three hours, but 
and I swear I did it in less than two. I passed the broken chain and cried, glad to see my car parked in the distance. I got my keys out and got inside my car, debating turning the engine on and leaving. But, I mean, what if my friends were alive? You know? Hell, I might have abandoned them atop of the mountain, but I couldn't leave them behind. So, I waited. I waited until the sun started to rise. And then I saw Daniel hobbling his way over. The left side of his jeans was soaked in blood. And I got out of the car and I rushed to help him. I helped him to the car and then we left. And I rushed to the nearest hospital and called the police. I told them what we had saw as Daniel was rushed to the ICU. The doctors checked my wounds as well. I had a slight concussion and a fractured ankle. Daniel's leg had been slashed from knee to hip. There were three claw marks. Doctor said he'd been lucky none had punctured the femoral artery. Came close. I think that this is the news that made me break down because I realized Matt was still missing and might not have had the same chance we did. The rest of the morning was spent in a blur. I met a couple of detectives and officers and repeated our story as Daniel received several blood transfusions. At around noon, an officer came and told us they found Matt. He was alive, but barely. The wounds on his body corroborated our story. He had been attacked by a massive beast, and the bite marks covering his torso, arms, and legs indicated either a wolf or something else. There were still doubts in the eyes of the officer. But he couldn't just dismiss our story because of the state Matt's body was in. And Daniel slashes on his leg. Matt survived, but he spent about, I don't know, two months in the hospital. He needed skin grafts. He needed a lot of transfusions. He lost a kidney as well as three fingers. We never went hiking again. The local police started to search to find the creature's whereabouts. And the last I heard of it, the trail was still closed to the public. Now, I don't hang around Matt or Dan anymore, but... You know, I can't say I blame them. That they blame me. I abandoned them to save my own skin. <laughs>